All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Buddy Walk with Jesus. As always, as we get started, we want you guys to know two very important things. That you are prayed for and that you are loved deeply to catch up on everything that has been going on on the podcast and over on Facebook. There are links down in the episode description for everything. And last but certainly not least, do not hesitate to reach out prayer at buddywalkwithjesus.com. So cracking into this, over the last couple of weeks, we've been having this conversation that's been evolving and has had a couple of through lines. A couple of weeks ago, I posed a question to the community. Why does it seem like it's so easy for us to lose sight of the fact that when we are across from somebody, that is an image bearer. When we're disagreeing about something, when there's some kind of conflict or disunion of some kind. And last week, the conversation progressed by talking about the realities of the spiritual side of all of this and what it means to lead with grace and love while still getting in academic reps and studying scripture and knowing truth and things like that. And so now this week, I'm at this point of, okay, so what do we do with this whole relationship thing when it comes to standing for truth or wanting to have a stand on something or feeling like you need to have a stand on something or even just an opinion, right? What do we do with the fact that we're not going to see everything eye to eye, nor do I necessarily think that that is the operative goal, is to see every single thing eye to eye. Look at the New Testament. Look at the post the first steps of the post-Jesus world and look at what the what these guys were doing and how these guys operated, right? They didn't see every single thing eye to eye. There are shades throughout the entirety of the New Testament that would suggest that no, they weren't of one single accord on every single matter. However, where the rubber met the road was this whole idea of coming into alignment in the same kingdom, right? That part of it was the through line. And I think both sides of that tell a very clear story of the posture and position that we are supposed to have. And so I want to start unpacking this. I want to start unpacking what it means to have a stance, what it means to have an opinion, what it means to be a fully functioning citizen of the kingdom of God when it comes to how we interact with others and all of that kind of stuff. So quick show of hands. Who has found that 
as humans, as Christians, it tends to be easier to explain to people what what we stand against rather than what we stand for. I'll let that sink in for a second. You know, there's so many different denominations. There's so many different aspects. There's so many different areas to consider when you start talking about denominationalism, when you start talking about the different aspects of Christianity that exist. And that's before you even get to, okay, so what is this whole Christianity thing about in the first place? You know, and honestly, to say it, it is honestly all too easy to make it sound like people consciously make this choice to stand against something all in the name of creating division and nonsense and problems. Some probably do. I would go as far as to say that some do. That some people make an active choice that they need to stand against because of this reason or that reason. Now again, another one of those show of hand moments for more of the American contingent of the Buddy Walk community. Has anyone else noticed that when we take an active stance against something, first and foremost, meaning when we consider what we believe and why we believe it, that the first thing that comes to our, comes to mind is what we stand against rather than what we stand for, that there seems to always be somebody to fill in that space. If my life as a fighter has taught me anything, is that when you approach this life with your hands up ready to ready to fight then there's always going to be a fight there will never not be a fight and i think that's true regardless of where you live i think that's a very uniquely human problem to interact with and I think it's, I think the, the ease that we can lean into that speaks to how rooted in the self and in the flesh that approach is. They say that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And I think sometimes we can approach things with the best of intentions. I know I did. You know, there's, I had to have a moment um, a couple of months ago. For those of you that are new, um, you may not have caught this, but for those of you that are, are longtime listeners and longtime community members, you know that 
this is something that I struggled with. I am right there with anybody else that has fallen for this trap. Man, 2020 hit and there was never a shortage of something to fight against. Something to be pissed off about. And I thought so often, man, I'm the one that's got it right. It's everybody else that's out of pocket. And that sounds hyperbolic. That sounds uh, a little ridiculous to talk about and to say out loud like I'm, like I'm trying to parody it. But when you look around and you see other people that aren't doing the same thing that you are and you are completely convinced that the thing that you're doing is correct, then suddenly that's a one-way ticket to all of those people becoming the problem and as we've talked about over the last couple of weeks that's a dangerous place to be whenever you start using those people statements and you start grouping people together to talk about the issues to talk about everything wrong with them you are inviting and dare I say flirting with this compulsion to hold them at arm's length. There's another aspect of this that bears talking about that is very important to mention when considering stance and what do I stand for and, and how I develop these edges and all of that kind of stuff. Rough edges tend to not be a result of a single solitary experience. I'm going to use an analogy here because it's been very helpful and it's in line with kind of where my brain has been at recently. For those of you that don't know, I spent over a decade in the restaurant business at some of the highest levels that you can reach in the restaurant business. And when you're prepping for service, you want to make sure that all of your knives that you're going to be using are sharp. There's nothing more dangerous in the kitchen than a dull knife. And when you're sharpening the blade of a knife and you're doing it properly, you're making it sharp. You're making it precise. It will give clean cuts and it will go and do exactly what you want it to go and do. However, if you don't know what you're doing and you start hitting that blade all over the place with a sharpening stone or anything like that, you are going to end up roughing up the blade and yeah one single stroke may leave some scratches in the blade but that's not going to be the thing that really distorts the blade it's every subsequent stroke of the stone that is scratching and denting and leaving little pock marks in the blade itself it's the same thing with the human experience. 
when we are sharpened by things properly, even when it hurts, it helps us to grow. When we are just damaged by the things that happen in this life, then that doesn't do anything to help. And actually, some people don't know, you can, if you don't know what you're doing, you can end up with a duller blade after you're done with a sharpening stone than when you went in. Because all you've done is create those those little etchings into the blade without making it nice and smooth and neat and all of those kinds of things. You guys have heard me say before, hurt people, hurt people. I said that two weeks ago when we were talking about this self-help versus spiritual help. Hurt people, hurt people. And we have no shortage of ways to be able to express that hurt in ways that we think are absolutely justified. Again, let's go back to the restaurant business. One of my biggest regrets in the restaurant business, guys, is the kind of chef that I was. I was a jerk. I I, I was treated like a jerk when I was paying my dues. And so I turned around and treated other people like a jerk. All in the name of if I'm able to... If this is what brought me to the dance, if this is the thing that brought me to the point of being the chef that I am, then that means I need to do this to other people for their betterment. Tough love, maybe you'd call it. There's this, it's the one correlation that I can draw, and maybe it's just because of my experiences, between this this whole thing of Christianity and a profession from everything from identity issues to the way that this can go wrong to the way that people act and and everything there are so many correlations between the restaurant business and the life of a chef and becoming a christian and trying to authentically live this thing out and i you know, stepping up thinking that I'm God's righteous right hand. I didn't say that out loud. I actually used to make fun of people who thought that they were God's righteous right hand and people that were dogmatic and all of those kinds of things while also being dogmatic. While also getting up on my righteous high horse, forgetting to go after the log before trying to grab the pair of tweezers to pull out the splinter in somebody else unwilling to see the fact that what i'm doing is just angry while trying to tell other people what they're doing wrong and i don't think i'm inaccurate in saying that i'm not the only one who has gone through this and I think the more that we're able to authentically step forward and talk about this and talk about the fact that we've made mistakes and that we've gotten this wrong, the the easier it becomes to try and get back on peace. To try to get back 
to the point of doing this properly. Now, don't get me wrong. Obviously, as as a byproduct of having the beliefs that I have and, and as a byproduct of my relationship with God, yeah, there are some things that I look at and I'm like, yeah, no, that that's wrong. That's wrong. But there's nuance to the in-between of the mission statement and the thesis statement being that's wrong and the mission statement and thesis statement being focused towards God. And I will go as far as to say that a great many people that you see that are so full of righteous indignation, so full of fervor, and the people that you see standing against rather than standing for and standing with, first and foremost, are generally people that if you get to know them and you unpack their backstory somewhere along the way, you're going to hear some horror story about how somebody who could have cared for them dropped the ball. And that's a reality of life. I love I love my wife with my whole heart. I will let her down again. I know that my wife loves me with her whole heart. She will let me down. That's a reality of human experience. Now, obviously, there's varying degrees. I am not. The Bible is not. Nobody is calling you to be in a dangerous or toxic situation. Yeah, there's nuance to the complexities of relationship. But all I'm talking about is at a base level, there is a reality to the fact that humans are going to human and we have to to be willing to acknowledge that and to be able to act accordingly. Because if you look in Matthew 10, Jesus tells us that there's going to be problems. That this life is not going to be easy. Okay, audience participation time. Again, who listening has been through things that have made them take a look back and say, man, this didn't turn out the way that I thought it would. Man, this this turned out differently. Man, I didn't realize that this is so difficult. Moment of transparency, guys. I have been walking through a season of really coming to terms what it means with what it means to be somebody in ministry to be somebody that whose life's mission is to pour out their life so that way others may come to know Christ better it's a lonely beat it is Um, thankfully 
I have been able to come alongside a handful of people that um, get me, that are a safe place for me. And, and I think that that's, that's very needed, but it also doesn't change the fact that this is a lonely beat. And again, this whole idea of things not working out the way that they we thought that they would, or things being hard, again, to varying degrees and varying situations, I think every single one of us can listen to that and know exactly what that's like. To know exactly what that means and to know exactly to what depths humans are going to human. And it's usually that place that has a way of forming those rough edges that put us in a position where we think we're doing right by other people by giving them a hard time, by treating them in a similar manner to how we were treated. Even if we don't consciously know that we're doing it. To be perfectly honest with you guys, I didn't notice at first. When I was a jerk in the kitchen, I didn't notice at first until somebody called me out on it. I left a kitchen and their exact words were, the rule of day is done. And, and that hit me for a second. But guys, I was so angry at that time by that point, I had already, um, I had already achieved the title of chef. So I was like, okay, if that's what if if I'm out there making people who are better at their job, then it's worth it. Does that sound familiar? If I'm out there making disciples, then isn't it worth it? The question that you have to ask yourself is, are you making disciples who can go out and make disciples? Are you actually doing that or are you regurgitating information? And so it's this, it's this teetering act of being honest about it and, and acknowledging the fact that this is, this is a human problem but also understanding that eventually somebody needs to stand up and say something to the contrary. Somebody needs to say something about the realities of the situation as it sets. So all of this being said, right, we've gone through what this looks like, all of that kind of stuff. So, so you might ask yourself, so what does it mean? If I don't, if I don't wear my convictions on my sleeve well what does that mean to start answering that i want to turn to ephesians chapter 2 we're going to go ahead and start from the top as for you you were dead in your sins and your transgressions in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. 
all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, but without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So, we see here very clearly written that we were all at one point in time of the flesh. Our very nature is to be oriented towards the self, to be oriented towards what we want, to be oriented towards our deepest desires. And the reality is that God knew that. God knew that with that free will that we have, that we would have the choice to disobey. That is exactly what the beauty of the relationship that we have with him looks like, is the choice, the freedom to follow the rules, the freedom to be able to engage with God. I'm going to get real nerdy on you guys here for a second. I have been geeking out recently on these audio dramas that somebody put up on YouTube of episodes four, five, and six of Star Wars, right? The original three. And I was taken by this expression in like listening to act it out, like and, and being able to see in my mind's eye the scene towards the end of the third uh, audio drama, the third movie, Return of the Jedi, where it's Darth Vader and it's Luke and it's the Emperor, right? 
and Darth Vader and Luke are going at it, and the, the Emperor is just needling him, needling him, needling him. And the whole time, Luke is trying to keep centered, I guess, keep, keep his mind from going to the things of the dark side of the Force. And he just keeps getting him right where it hurts. And then his family comes up. His sister comes up. And finally, you start to see these moments of Luke being tempted by the dark side. And it's in that moment where Emperor Palpatine starts talking about giving in and having that be the source of your power. Give into it to finally unlock your potential. Whether we like it or not, that is exactly what life does. That is exactly what the self will have you convinced of. Whether we realize it or not, that's the dangerous part. I think sometimes we, we chalk it up to if we're not doing this consciously, then we must not be doing it. But the reality is, that self, that voice that says, give in to the hate, give in to the anger, that you are justified, right? How many times, again, show of hands, how many times has somebody seen somebody else post on social media about sometimes you just need to flip some tables about a thing? Talking about how Jesus got angry too. Yeah, but that was Jesus. Jesus was the only guy that could overcome the temptation of the self to bring things to, to, to bring things under your own hand. That that vengeance is yours. Revenge is yours. Justice is yours. Right? And to the self, that looks completely justifiable. Now, let's add in the other layer to all of this. There are two kingdoms. The kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of his dear son. The realities of the principalities of darkness cannot be ignored. And the principalities want all too often to convince us that our power, our sense of strength comes out of vengeance, comes out of the self, comes out of vindication and feeling like you have finally been able to get your brand of justice. And a lot of times that manifests in holding these stances that show that you are against a thing and being so very quick to jump to being so against something. Now, that I can guarantee you sounds not palatable to some because it sounds like I'm saying if you take a stance then you're in sin and I promise you that is exactly not what I am saying however 
What is our orientation? This life is difficult. The easy thing is for me to say, turn to God in those moments where there's that voice that says, strike him down, do it, right? The cupcake answer is for me to say, just lay your burdens on God. Okay, that is true, but the Bible is also very specific. Again, Matthew 10, Jesus tells us that unfortunately does not stop this life from being difficult. And I promise you, Buddy Walk community, I promise you that if I could, if I had it in my power, I would take that away from people. My heart breaks for every one of you guys that have come to me looking for guidance, unpacking the realities of this life as you experience them. Man, there are so many of you from other parts of the world that have to deal with certain things and I wish I could take every single bit of that away from you. Those of you that are stateside, that have gone through the rigors of church hurt or have gone through the rigors of bad interpretation or bad teaching, my heart breaks for you. But again, to go back to the former point, the reality is, friends, there's something that we need to do with all of this, right? We don't stuff it because if you stuff it, then you just end up with unanswered questions. And, and dare I say, ask every single one of those questions. Poke and prod. Ask questions. One of the biggest travesties is that some people are taught that God doesn't like our questions. If you think to ask the question, that probably speaks to your mentality and how serious you are about a thing. I can't tell you how many times that I have heard people talk about, am I saved? And the reality is, is that I want to look at them and say, if you think to ask, that probably says something. That probably speaks to where your mind and where your heart are at. And so on one side of the coin, you have all of these realities. On the other side of the coin, you have Isaiah 26.3. You keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. What is faith? Faith is the divine trust that's given to us by God. It is bestowed upon us from God. All we need to do is believe. And the thing that I need to express in all of this 
in figuring out how do I have a stance? How do I love people? How do I do any of this in a world that is so difficult and so hard? When I focus on God, seek first the kingdom of God, everything else falls into place afterwards. And that's where my security is. Again, that doesn't mean that suddenly everything is going to get cleaned up in your life. That doesn't mean that suddenly this world isn't going to be hard. That doesn't all all of a sudden mean that humans aren't going to human. All of those things are present reality, family. Every single bit of it is still a present reality. But... When all we think of is God in the future tense and we don't think of God in the present tense, then we are taking the biggest piece out of our arsenal, guys. We are taking the linchpin out of the armor. Because without the present tense of God, then everything is just slugging through this mess to get to the good stuff afterwards. Guys, that's not a life, that's a sick joke. I could go on for hours talking about the kingdom of God, but I will leave it at this. The kingdom of God is where God's authority is the highest authority. Now, now, I know, I trust me, I I rage against the machine as better as anybody does. I fully and completely understand that this whole idea of authority, this whole idea of submission, this whole idea of rules and freedom and all of that is so messy to humans, especially to Americans, because we have this particular idea of what freedom looks like and we approach this with our own preconceived notions okay there's nothing new under the sun go ahead and take it take a look at matthew mark luke and john if you look at the uh mentality the posture i guess of of israel at that time they were expecting a warrior king they were expecting somebody to come in with their chariot and their sword and they were going to take down Rome. I think some people expect a a diplomat, I guess, to come in and stand up and do what's right for their people. Almost like a politician. Guys, unfortunately, if you if you think of Jesus in either of those contexts, you will be let down. Your expectations will not be met. As a matter of fact, Jesus tells people to not not be turned away because of him. And and while that seems clunky in English because it's not a word-for-word translation, that essentially means that Jesus is saying, don't let the preconceived notions that you had about me be the thing that keeps you from the Father.
And I think there's a lot of realities to that now, which is why we have so many different takes and so many different positions and so many different postures. But there's this reality of having the freedom to be able to follow the commands and the rule and reign of God. Let's play this out for a second. Let's take out every single one of those Bible words, okay? Let's put it into human, human context. Guys, confession with the saints time. I like sweets, okay? I can't go around eating sweets all the time. And actually, the more science comes out, the more it says the more it says just how bad this stuff is for you. Guys, I love coffee. I would go as far as to say that I am a coffee snob. But years of overloading myself on caffeine bore certain impacts. You know, there's... The, the, the list goes on. We look at so many different things and we say, yeah, but it feels good. But guys, when we go too far down any one of these rabbit holes, those are just, those are just the um, lighter aspects, I guess, of what I'm saying. Let's take it out, right? Anybody who's done drugs can sit here and tell you how good they felt in that moment. Anybody, uh, I should say most people, who, who, who have drank will tell you that it makes them feel good. But what happens when you consume too much of those things? Not only does it do damage to your body, but there's this there's this bondage that starts to that starts to be developed, right? How many again, show of hands, audience participation time, how many people say something to the effect of I'm worthless without my first cup of coffee? Okay. So what you're saying is you need the chemical compound of caffeine in order to be useful. Guys, there's no condemnation. Guys, that's not, I, I, it is my deepest, is my deepest hope in all of this, that you do not read this as condemnation, but you read this as somebody who has walked this, who has seen this firsthand, the realities of this. And guys, when you walk around ready to fight, there's bondage. That develops for that too. Because I always got to fight. I always got to ball my fists up. Because if I don't. Then who. Will take care of me. Who. Will take care of mine. It is my responsibility. To take care of me and mine. Okay we have responsibilities. But is it really. Ultimately us. I'm going to quote the great philosopher Rocky Balboa here for a second, guys. Life ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. 
And there's reality to that. There's reality to the fact that you got to get up one more time than you've been knocked down. Now, I say that tongue in cheek because for a long time, I thought that was a motivational quote. I did not know that, that, that the Bible did it first. The Bible said it first. So I've talked about all of those things. Now, what's the counterbalance? The counterbalance is the fact that through Christ, we get to do these things that when you engage with them, they are life-giving. Guys, I grew up with every single reason to be an angry cat. I was an angry dude. Guys, there was a period of my life where I hated everything and everybody. Some men just want to watch the world burn. And that was me. Everything that had happened in my life left me vengeful angry and the last thing that I wanted to do was care for anybody guys that didn't living for me didn't lead to a good place and I had all of the accoutrement I had it man uh, when when I when I was in my sex drugs and rock and roll phase dude I had everything that a human flesh could want money stuff things it all came crashing down. It all came crashing down. Every single bit of it. And the reality is, is that the more you, you lean into that stuff, the, 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 the worse the cycle is. The harder the cycle is to break. Because you become desensitized. Right? You, you, keep, you keep doing the same things over and over again. It's like burning yourself. Again, to go back to the restaurant business, I knew a dude that would liter that literally sat there and it was like he was playing pianos on a flat top. He he sat there and and burnt his fingertips to the point where it didn't hurt anymore. That is exactly what happens when we do this. But what is God's intention this entire time? This entire way. God's intention is for us to be holy and set apart. His rules provide the way of life. Is it hard sometimes? Yeah, it's hard because the flesh wants what it wants. But but that's that's why that's the power of the renewing of the mind. That's the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling us and guiding us is to be able to taste and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And when we can embrace loving first, showing grace and mercy because we have been loved and have been shown grace and mercy, that is freedom. Guys, I used to walk around with this thing. I called it the, I called it the beast. It was it was this thing deep down inside of me that was made up of every single bit of hate, every single bit of anger, every time I was abused, every time that something happened, all the pain of of the people that I had lost, everything was all in 
this and i used to walk around like with this with this thing in the pit of my stomach that i could not satisfy jesus satisfied that jesus vanquished the dragon inside of me and now now i have the freedom to be able to love and let me tell you something guys i still struggle with this because i'm passionate guys i'm human but when but when when i live out of that place everything changes everything changes and that is when i get to experience the realities of freedom so i bring this in for a landing guys again please do not hear me giving and doling out condemnation this is me standing up and saying look i have found an easier way and when we consider how we interact with one another that's not that freedom is not what the enemy of this life wants because if we walk around confused and dejected and angry and hating other people then we are perpetuating the issue we are doing the work for the enemy every time that we misbehave we make christianity unbelievable to an unbelieving world because we are doing exactly the opposite of what we are called to do so as we navigate these things, as we have these stances, what, what happens when there's no more fight? What happens when we have a stance that's so geared towards I'm anti this and then that thing is no longer there? What happens? Do we just jump to the next thing? Who's the enemy then? Who do we make the bad guy then? But what happens if we truly and actually, and it, and, it, and it still makes me uncomfortable to even say this, but hate the sin, love the sinner, love the sinner, hate the sin, however you want to say it. Because I think a lot of people use that and think that they're doing that, but they've been taught a malformed version of that. So... As we continue on through all of this, as we continue on through this conversation and through navigating these, these moments, the, the realities and complexities of this life, the, the, the realities of the spiritual need to be present because if for for as much as the realities of darkness are real the realities of the kingdom of his dear son are as well there the the healing that takes place in the soul can only come from god trust me i have watched people that share the same genetics as me that have gone through some of the same crap that i have walk and be dejected 
by life and just end up in this miserable place with no idea of how to get out of it. Guys, the sauce in all of this is the kingdom of God. And we love because we have been loved. We do because of our relationship with God. Because His authority is the highest authority. And that doesn't just mean I've got to be prim and proper. That means love, grace, and mercy are at the forefront of our actions and our words. Mirror talk, fam. Mirror talk. Every single one of us needs to be reminded of this. That's why we are called to die to ourselves daily. So friends, community, I am here with you. I am in this thing with you. We can, we can do this because of Christ. God doesn't always slay the giant. Sometimes the giants are meant to knock you on your backside. Sometimes that's just how it is. And I can't take that away. But again, I end with this. Isaiah 26 you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast on you because he trusts you I love you all I am praying for you I am rooting for you know that God is rooting for you know that